Section 10 of From the Easy Chair, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From the Easy Chair, Volume 1, by George William Curtis. Section 10. Thalberg and Other Pianists, 1871. It was about fifteen years ago that Thalberg, who has just died only fifty-nine years old, was in this country. Jenny Lind had been here some years earlier, and Alboni, and Greasy a little later, and Vuitton, and Savori, and Old Bull a dozen years before. Julian, with his monster orchestra, had given monstrous concerts in the monstrous hall of Castle Garden, and many a musician of less fame had come to try his fortune but we had had neither of the acknowledged masters of the piano, the founders of the modern school of playing, Liszt and Thalberg. Liszt, spoiled and capricious, played very seldom. Chopin, more a composer than a performer, we in America had never supposed would cross the sea. So sensitive, so delicate, so shadowy, his life seemed to exhale a passionate sigh of music. In the stormy, blood-soaked, ruined Paris of today, it is not easy to imagine those evenings at the Prince Zartorsky's, when Chopin played in the moonlight the mazurkas and polonaises and waltzes, which moonlighter dreams seem often to have inspired, but through which the proud movement of the old Polish dance and song triumphantly rings. In George Sand's Letters of a Traveler, Chopin also appears, but sadly and hopelessly. What Javier de Maistre says of the Fornaria and Raphael is the undertone of all the passages of the book that speak of Chopin. She loved her love more than her lover. Then came the burial at the Madeleine with his own funeral march beating time to his grave. The mere pianist who had aroused the most enthusiasm in this country was Leopold de Meyer, who came more than twenty years ago. His was a blithe, exhilarating style. There was a grotesque little plaster cast of him in the shop windows at the time, representing him crouching over the instrument with enormous hands spread upon the keyboard, and his fat knees crowding in to cover all the rest of the space. It was slam-bang playing, but so skillful, and with such a tickling melody that it was irresistibly popular. His Marsh Marocaine, a brilliant tour de force, was always sure to captivate the audience, and his success was indisputable. De Meyer's concerts were sometimes given in the old tabernacle in Broadway near Leonard Street, the circular church which for so many years was the chief public hall in the city. The platform was almost in the center, and the aisles radiated from it. The galleries went quite around the building, and except for the huge columns which supported a dome, it was convenient both for hearing and seeing. Here were some of the great anti-slavery meetings in the hottest days of the agitation. The anniversaries were held here, and it was the scene of all popular lectures and of concerts. A few blocks above, upon Broadway near Canal Street, was the old Apollo Hall, where the first Philharmonic concerts took place. In those early days of the German music days which followed the City Hotel epoch and the Garcia Opera, people were so unaccustomed to the proprieties of the concert room that the Easy Chair has even known some persons to whisper and giggle during the performance of the finest symphonies of Beethoven and Mozart, and so excessively rude as to rustle out of the hall before the last piece was ended. Upon one such occasion it said to its neighbor as they were coming out, 
It is a pity such ill-mannered people should thrust themselves among ladies and gentlemen. Ill-mannered, quoth its neighbor. I assure you they are carriage company from the neighborhood of Union Square. In these days of universal respectful attention at the Philharmonic concerts, it is but a curious reminiscence of long-past boorishness, this of persons who whispered and giggled and rustled out before the end at concerts, to the disturbance of all mannerly people. As the city grew, the concerts came uptown and were for some time given at Niblo's concert room. But wherever they were, one person was for many years constantly familiar, sometimes as general director, sometimes as pianist to accompany singing, always modest, courteous and efficient, a man widely and most kindly remembered, Henry C. Tim. Like most of our musical benefactors, he was a German, and gave lessons in piano playing. He was not one of the great virtuosos, but his touch was delicate and nimble, and he had a sincere love of his art, often and often at a house always pleasant from that reminiscence, with the consent of parent and pupil, and to his own great delight, the hour designed for the scholar's scales and exercises was given to the master's playing. He was fond of Weber's invitation to the waltz, and he played it with force and precision and the utmost delicacy. Mr. Tim had a pale, smooth, sharp face, a rather prim manner, and a quick, modest gait. He was most simple-hearted and loved a joke, and his fun was all the more effective from his sober face and his lisp. It was his wife who was long the most efficient actress at Mitchell's Old Olympic in the palmy days of burlesque. It was at Niblo's that Thalberg played. Many of the virtuosos had been, like de Meyer, so extravagant in their action and so evidently what we now call sensational, that there was great curiosity to see the master whose name had been familiar since 1830, and famous since 1835, when he first played in Paris. The comparative estimate of the two men, Liszt and Thalberg, was that the former was a player of eccentric genius, the latter of consummate talent, a judgment which is very apt to spring from a superficial theory that eccentricity is the signet of genius. The long hair, the wild aspect of Paganini did much to confirm this feeling. At the concerts of Thalberg there were some preliminary performances, and then a gentleman with side whiskers and no moustache, unostentatiously dressed, entered upon the platform. His manner was grave and tranquil, and he bowed respectfully as he seated himself at the instrument. Immediately, without a flourish or grimace, steadily and calmly watching the audience, he touched the piano, and it began to sing. There was no pounding, no muscular contortion, nothing but his hands seemed to be engaged, and apparently without effort they exhausted the whole force of the instrument. It was in every respect, except its great effectiveness, the reverse of de Meyer's playing. The effect, indeed, was astonishing. When the player arose as quietly and gravely as he had seated himself, there was a tumult of applause to which he bowed and tranquilly withdrew. The characteristic of his style is well known. It was a series of harmonious combinations of all the resources of the keyboard, through which the melody was clearly articulated. It was by study and by long practice only that he carried this method to its perfection. This in one of his great fantasias, that from Mozart's Don Giovanni, the sentiment of the whole opera was reproduced. Perhaps you do not admire brilliant variations upon a theme selected from the opera. 
but in this performance you are affected by the passionate movement of the entire work it is a wonderful epitome the same respect which he showed for his audience and for himself and which made him always a self-possessed gentleman he also had for his instrument de meyer seemed to suppose that the full range and power of the piano could not be developed except by grotesque methods other players treated as if impatient of its limitations and resolved to make an orchestra of a feeble keyboard but thalberg instinctively apprehended the character of the instrument and respected its limitations as well as its powers and knew that its utmost resource was attainable by skilled motion rather than by brute force therefore he played with his hands and not with his knees and his body but the force of his fingers was magical and the volume of sound that followed was as great as any player evoked thalberg was a player only and not in the sense of chopin a composer what are called his compositions are arrangements and adaptations of themes from operas treated to develop them with all the richness of the instrument the originality is in the method of instrumentation and in this he was original and is really the founder of the present piano school as a player his characteristic was the cantabile the singing quality and this he had beyond all players the flowing sweetness of his style is indescribable there were many indeed who complained of a want of fire and denied him that passion without which no work of art is perfect but it was impossible to hear him play his fantasia from don giovanni for instance without perceiving all the passion of the original mozart was not lost under his hands and the impression of coldness was largely due doubtless to the tranquillity and propriety of his appearance and manner the most generally popular of his successors at the piano in this country was undoubtedly gottschalk who was here quite as early as thalberg whose fame eclipsed all the others upon his arrival gottschalk played privately at a small party he was a foreign-looking youth with a peculiarly dull eye and taciturn but he was familiar with every kind of music when he was asked he played chopin and with great skill but his chief successes were his west indian melodies which were full of picturesque suggestion his execution was rapid brilliant and forcible but a great deal of his playing was too evidently tours de force it was always interesting to watch his audience when upon being recalled he began one of the west indian strains there was a minor monotonous theme in them which fascinated the listeners they heard the beat of the tambourine and saw the movement of the dance and with them all the characteristic scenery and association of the tropics filled their imaginations the languid grace the rich indolence the gay profusion of the lands where the banana grows they felt and saw how many admirable players and singers have come among us and when as now one drops through the bridge of mirza a host of easy chairs pause for a moment to remember how many there were and to delight in thinking how many more there will be once it was the sailor who crossed the sea to find el dorado and cathay now it is the artist who follows in the fascinating quest but sailor and artist seeking gold in far countries like the pollen-powdered bee sucking honey in the flowers bring as rare a treasure as they find end of section ten recording by philip gould